Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hune. Our mission is to help you gain your freedom from the exhausting, never-ending corporate rat race. Because time is our most valuable asset. And life's just too short to do work we hate. Thanks for slowing down. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I've got another awesome guest for you here today. Her name is Kalika Zarek. And Kalika spent around 15 years working in operations management um, for, for different organizations, worked her way up the corporate ladder for her, her first company that she worked for and kind of climbed the top of that mountain. You know, and, and now what she's doing is she took her experience of, of handling operations for high growth companies, and now she wants to help solopreneurs to run their businesses more efficiently. She's on a mission to help solopreneurs run successful businesses so that they can have freedom and live the life that they want to live. And it just aligns so beautifully with what we want to talk about here on the Affordable Freedom Podcast. She's also an ultra marathon runner. And I've actually run, uh, what did I run? I ran one full marathon. Could only do one, and I've ran a few half marathons, but if running an ultra marathon doesn't tell you about the level of ambition and drive that somebody has, I don't know what does. So Kalika, thanks for coming on. I'm happy to have you today. Thank you so much. Really, really glad to be here. So Kalika, I mentioned um, the first organization that you worked for. You were there for about 11 years. Um, It was Oscar Blues Brewery, which is awesome because I love the beers that they brew there. haven't had them in a while, but I know they make some good stuff. But you worked your way up there. You, you put your head down, worked your ass off, worked your way up the ladder. And this is a company that you were working at in the height of the, the craft beer boom. So high growth company, a lot of expectations on you, I'm sure. So I was wondering if if we could start by just telling us a little bit about what your experience looked like there and kind of what your career looked like until you've gotten to the point where you are today. Oh, yeah, of course, a a stroll down memory lane for me. So, um, yeah, I started there when I was 18 and I worked there as a hostess the first year. Um, And then from there, they were opening another restaurant concept. They brought me in as a server. Um, So first serving job worked my way up to bartending. And then uh, simultaneously, I was going through my undergrad. When I graduated, they offered me a management position. So I took it and I was like, I love working for this company and kind of went all in. Um, during, like you mentioned, the the height of the craft beer boom, uh, we actually opened five different restaurant concepts in four years. Uh, so being in a management role, um, for honestly, what I consider to be a startup, uh, there were a lot of growing pains that I experienced. Um, one of which was truly, there were no real procedures in place. It was like, all of us were kind of flying by the seat of our pants, trying to make stuff happen, um, and trying to meet deadlines for these very aggressive restaurant openings. Um, I will say on one hand, I learned a tremendous amount about myself through that process, it being such a, you know, rigorous environment, um, if you will. I also uh, feel like over the course of the next few years, I was 
my mental health really suffered. I mean, that's the, the truth of it. So, um, you know, working 60 plus hour weeks, always being on my feet, being up late, being um, called in all different times of day to put out fires, um, really just sort of lent itself to me not taking care of myself, not taking care of my own needs. Um, I did sort of uh, develop this attachment to achievement, if you will. Um, and I think with that came, you know, me holding myself to an extraordinarily high standard. Um, and in the environment I was in, um, that also led itself to burnout at the end of the day. I was extraordinarily burnt out. Um, so I did actually decide at one point that I wanted to go back to school and get my master's degree. So I was able to do that. And looking back, I'm kind of in shock because I was running ultra marathons. So I was training like probably 12 hours a week running, if not more. Um, I was working 40 plus hours a week in the restaurant and I was doing grad school. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I look back and I'm like, wow, I was very young and just endless energy at that point in my life. But <laughs> yeah, I ended up getting my master's in organizational leadership. And part of what really like drove my desire to learn about that was seeing how many pitfalls happen in organizations that are rapidly expanding um, and don't really take the time to build the structure out underneath them. So it's a little bit about my experience in the craft beer world. So you're obviously very driven. Um, you had a lot on your plate there. Is this something that's just in you and always has been? Or like, was it that you felt like you had something to prove? Or what, what kind of was the motivation behind everything that you were taking on? Mm, I love that question. I would say it's twofold. Uh, first, I do believe that I was kind of born as a high drive individual. Um, I think I've always kind of identified with achievements and um, pushing myself. And I've always loved athletics because I feel like you can learn so much about yourself that you can apply to your life through stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, but then in truth, I think the other side of it is that I started to use that like hyperdrive and that achievement attachment to numb my own feelings. Um, I think it was honestly a, became a coping mechanism for me because I didn't want to feel a lot of what was going on with me on like a personal mental health side. So a way that out was, oh, if I just like distract myself essentially with work, 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 work and training, 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 training and, um, you know, career advancement, then guess what? I'm like honestly kind of disassociated from myself and I don't have to feel hard feelings and I don't have to deal with um, some of the other things that were going on for me. So that's, yeah, that's so insightful because I think a lot of people think of like addiction and they assume like it has to be substance addiction or, or something like that. But like at the end of the day, addiction is just like 
there's some hole that you're trying to fill. And if whether it's running ultra marathons, whether it's staying busy, busy, busy at work, or whether it's using substances, the root is all kind of the same thing, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Trying to fill some sort of hole. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like the common denominator there was that I've realized after doing a lot of work um, and healing is that it was almost an addiction to outcomes that I had. Like, oh, I'm addicted to getting to the top level of this company. Like, or I'm addicted to the feeling of a promotion or like I'm addicted to the finish line of these races. Like, and the craziest part, I think you and I have talked about this before actually is like what I realized at a certain point was that I would get to the finish line and I would feel even more empty than I did before. And I think that Mm. was a product of me kind of placing all of my focus on the wrong, if you will, the wrong thing, which, you know, now I have a much healthier relationship with training and, you know, work. And I think it's so much more enjoyable to be in the journey of it, which sounds sort of cliche, but like to be in the journey of it and not hyper-focused on the outcome. Yeah, that's so true. Um, So many of us are just hardwired. I think just from a society standpoint, we're just kind of, it's ingrained in us to achieve, right? Like go to college, get your degree, start a family, um, go get a high paying job, climb the ladder, like all this stuff. And you're, it's achieve, achieve, achieve. And you're always focused on the destination and not really enjoying the journey. And that's something that was always really, really hard for me. You know, I, I was kind of the same mentality, you know, I, I would say like I overachieved in my career, but I never felt happy about it, you know? And I've had many people on the show who, you know, they've climbed the corporate ladder, made it to the C-suite, actually a person that's going to be coming on soon who uh, started a business and was like like on the Inc. 5000 list, like top 500 fastest growing companies. And like him and his partners realized, like, this isn't what it's all about. Like, we're here. And it's not what we thought it was going to be. Right. Right. And so what do you think was the, was there one moment or I'm sure it was several moments, but is there something that stands out in your mind as like that point where you started saying, you know what, I need to start focusing on the journey. Big time. And and the process, enjoying the process. Yes. Um, For me, it was a DNF, which stands for did not finish. Um, It was the first one ever on my like ultra running record, if you will. Um, so I had ran at that point, a dozen 50 mile trail races and 300 mile races. I had successfully completed all of them. Stubbornly, I will also add, there were probably a couple in there that I should not have finished, but I was too stubborn to quit. Uh, (laughs) But I, <laughs> what do you mean you shouldn't have finished? Were you like on the verge of just, hurting yourself badly or yeah. just very, oh my gosh. yeah, very, very stubborn. Um, so I got into the Leadville 100, which is an iconic, iconic race. It's in Colorado, high elevation. Um, the course peaks at over 12,800 feet. 
you go up and over a mountain pass and then back up to the town of Leadville. So um, yeah, this was like a bucket list race for me. And I had, of course, been stubborn and ran two races prior to towing the line at that race, which was in August. And I started that morning at 4.30 a.m. with my headlamp on with all the other runners and pretty quickly knew that like there was something wrong. My physical body just something was off. Um, it was excruciating. It was a really bad experience. Um, and of course, in true to form, I tried to grit my teeth and I'm like, I'm going to get through this thing. And I made it to mile 38 and I missed the cutoff. So at that race, there are time uh, requirements. You have to be through certain checkpoints by a certain time. And a big part of that is safety because they don't want people up on the exposed mountain pass late in the afternoon because of lightning risk. Um, so I missed the cutoff. And the truth is like that devastated me. Like it crushed me. And a couple days went by, you know, I was like just devastated and it almost feels weird to like talk about now because that was such a different version of me than where I am now. Um, but that is what opened my eyes truly to being like, okay, if you, you know, your physical body was in jeopardy, like something really bad could have happened to me that day. Like I was retaining water like crazy. Like it was almost as if my organs were like revolting, like we're not doing this again. And yeah, obviously that really slowed me down and was what led to me being cut off. Um, but yeah, the, it was truly like an ego death. Like the first time I was not able to finish a race and I was crushed. And that just really made me realize that that was a very unhealthy attachment to outcomes and that I did not want to continue living my life on eggshells of like, not being accepting of, Hey, guess what? Sometimes you just have a bad day or, Hey, guess what? Your body needs more rest. You need to take better care of yourself. If you want to continue pushing these insane limits, like, um, so huge, huge wake up call massive. And yeah, that really sparked a lot of change and reflection for me, um, to honestly slow the hell down and like reevaluate my attachments to things. As you're telling that story, it just, it makes me think of, um, you know, how there's so many people out there that like glorify hustle culture, you know, and, and almost they glorify harming yourself in order to achieve great things. Like, um, you know, the, the, what's the Navy SEALs, uh, Jocko Willink, right. Who's really popular. And like, I've listened to him on some podcasts and I've actually read the book that him and Leif Babin put together and very motivational, very inspirational. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, should everybody in normal life have the mentality of a Navy SEAL of like torturing themselves in order to achieve an outcome? And also like David Goggins, you know, you talk about an ultra marathon running, like he's another one as well that talks about like grind your teeth, you know, get through the pain and all that kind of stuff. So like, what's your take on that? Where there's these people that are really popular and influential that are, you know, glorifying this. 
Hmm. Yeah, I'm actually really glad you mentioned that um, because it's something I still struggle with. I've like had to change my mentality so much to find a much healthier space to exist um, that I've had to truthfully cut off some of my like connections. Um, For example, I think in the world of ultra running is a prime instance where, yeah, suffering is glorified. It truly is. And it's like people are pushing themselves farther and farther and more and more. And at some point, like having gone through the experience that I did, it almost was there for a while, just like so like cringing, cringeworthy to watch, right? Like it almost felt like, oh, I was given this gift of seeing like what exists beyond that like addiction to suffering and seeing other people chase it like almost made me like heart hurt right um i have some pretty strong feelings about david goggins that i won't go like super into detail with on this podcast um but i think overall there is a big dis i think it's a disservice i think it's a disservice that society has kind of started to do because pushing that like agenda on everyone as like a blanketed, this is the best way to be like your value is associated to how hard you work or how much you suffer, how far you're willing to go. Like, I think that is just a breeding ground for mental health problems. And I guess the other point I want to mention is like, I wish more people that are in the ultra running world specifically, we're having more conversations like this about their own mental health and their struggles. Because I think to your point, addiction can look like many different things. You can be addicted to success. You can be addicted to work. You can be addicted to running. Um, That's not like something people always associate with that word addiction. Um, But I think the first step is like encouraging people to be brave enough to talk about what's going on underneath the surface. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I I've been thinking about that a lot recently because I've struggled with mental health. You and I have talked about this before. I've gone to see um, several therapists, you know, until I found one that I felt comfortable talking to. And then it got to a point where I was like, this guy's not really like doing anything special. Like, He's just having conversations and listening to me. Yeah. So like, what if we all cut the bullshit and just started having real conversations with one another? You know, maybe we wouldn't have mental health problems in this country. But I want to um, go back to, uh, you know, you, you mentioned being burned out in your career. And for me, I experienced burnout. And I think the biggest driver for me uh, w- was kind of like, the the conflict between my internal values and the work that I was doing, trying to like be someone I'm not for such a long period of time. And for you, I don't think that was necessarily the case. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like you worked for, um, you know, what what seems like a pretty fun organization to be a part of. Like I I look at it, I'm like, oh, well, that would be cool. Like I like that culture. Like that totally is my vibe. But it was super fast paced growth, hyper growth and and aggressive growth. So can you talk a little bit about what you think caused your burnout? 
Oh yeah. I've done a lot of thinking on this and I actually wrote my master's thesis on this subject. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of different contributing factors to burnout. Um, I definitely in other areas of my life have seen how like being misaligned from a values perspective leads me to feeling like resentful and burnt out. So I totally get what you're saying there in my situation. Um, no, you knowing now that you know a little bit about my personality, I wanted to perform so much. Like that was, that was important to me. Integrity, important to me. Um, achievement, important to me. So in that environment where it was truly pretty chaotic, the focal point was grow, grow, grow. Um, I already mentioned that there was really no pause to build structure. Uh, and there was also no clear like role definitions happening. So in all of the chaos that was going on, here I am with my personality that's like, I really want to do well. I really want to achieve. I want to grow and, you know, reach the top. Albeit those, maybe the motivators behind that weren't all like pure and true. Um, But the lack of role clarity is what I believe truly caused my burnout because and of course we're talking about like 60, sometimes 70 hour weeks, having to go in on weekends when someone doesn't show up. And like, that was a contributing factor, just the rigor of it. Um, but then also just feeling like no matter how hard I am working and showing up, like it's never going to be enough because there was truly a disconnect between the the people that were pushing these initiatives forward, which, you know, obviously owners, partners, um, and the, the boots on the ground people, there was a disconnect between like these people boots on the ground did not have a clear understanding of what was expected from them. Therefore the people like me are like, Oh, I'm just going to do everything possible to get this done. Meanwhile, there's no real structure in place. So like, Long story short, I think the one big thing with startups is like putting in a little bit of time and effort on the front end to create some sort of foundation and to give people extremely clear expectations will truthfully, what I believe will help mitigate burnout for people. So you had mentioned to me before about how um, you used to feel like having the security of a W-2 job was, was what you needed. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, why you, I think probably not right for me to ask you, why did you feel that way? Because probably most people feel that way. Um, but just tell me a little bit about, you know, where your mind was at when you were in that mentality versus like where you are now, where you said you got to a point where you just realized that like, that's just a bullshit mentality to have. Oh Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, ever since I got my master's degree, which I mean, I finished in 2018, um, I had aspirations of starting my own consulting company. And the thing that always stopped me and stood in my way was fear, partly. But beneath that, it was like this attachment that I had to having a quote unquote secure 
income, right? Where I'm like, oh, I can expect that I'm going to get paid every two weeks or I'm going to get paid on this day. Um, and so part of that, I think, was like, I mean, that was the way I was raised. My Both of my parents were, you know, n- neither of them were entrepreneurial. Um, my dad was an engineer. My mom was a teacher. They worked and worked and my dad worked his butt off uh, to provide for us. And that was so that was what was modeled to me, right? That there really was no other way to do it. Um, and then I think just the repetition of, you know, starting from the time I was the, the first job I ever got, I was probably 15 years old and getting conditioned to believe like, oh, that money is just going to come. Like, and if you work harder, you get maybe a little bit more and that's just the way the world works. Um Yeah. So in some ways, I think I kind of got addicted to that like steady income, if you will, because it felt so at the time it felt secure. Um, But yeah, I kind of did a complete 180 with that mentality here recently. And I think the big realization for me was that like that perceived security is complete baloney. because the truth is, having worked for the businesses I have and worked my way up to um, high level management, I kind of then got to see the see what be, what was behind the curtain. And for every company I've ever worked for, for better or worse, uh, there were basically financial ruins underneath the curtain. <laughs> Um, and it usually would come to a head when I would get to the point in my journey where I'm like, okay, I have worked my tail off and delivered on every single, like in every possible way. And I'm here to demand more money. And then the business would show me the financial ruin that was behind the curtain. And that just made me realize like, this is all a facade. Like they, I, I feel like they had wanted me to think that that secure paycheck was coming each week. Little did I know I'm over here grinding it out and doing all these things and trying to build the business and grow the bottom line. And all the meanwhile, the owner is back there biting their nails, wondering how they're going to make payroll. (laughs) Mm. So big aha moment there to just be like, Oh, like I've spent my whole life thinking that this was secure. The truth is it's not. And for me, the big leap that happened was I took charge of my own life and my own destiny. And I realized that to create real security, like I needed to be the driver and the decision maker because that's how I can ensure that cash flow is being managed properly and that there is yeah. the right reserves in place, which, you know, I didn't go into this either, but one of the companies I worked for, obviously we went through COVID and that was a pretty big turning point for me too, of honestly just realizing how many of the businesses in my network um, and business I worked for at the time were devastated by COVID. And like, you know, obviously that was the entire world and it shocked and stunned everyone. But like, if you zoom out a little bit, it's like, okay, well, as a business, you probably should have at least a couple months worth of operating expenses (laughs) available to you so that if something like COVID happens, which is, you know, what are the odds, but 
that you are not going to, your company won't be in shambles, right? Yeah. You know, even if it's not like the business itself is financially stressed, the business could just decide to put money somewhere else, invest in some new initiative and decide they need to lay off a quarter of their sales force or whatever it is. You know, we've been seeing that all across the tech world. You know, they will let you go. You are a number on a spreadsheet. You're expendable. They don't care about you. They care about you to the extent that they care about a piece of steel or any other input cost. Absolutely. They need to cut costs. You're gone. So, you know, and a lot of people think, um, you know, like entrepreneurship works for you. It works for me to to kind of take control of our own lives and, and manage the finances of our business so that we know that we can have jobs, you know, income security. But entrepreneurship doesn't work for anyone else or, or doesn't work for everyone. Uh, but you can even look at your own personal financial situation as sort of a corporation. Like look at you yourself as a business and say, you know what? I've got enough cash set aside. I've, I've done well with saving. I've done well with investing where if they let me go, they let me go. Cool. Now I've got six months to chill out and think about what's next in my life, you know? So gaining that independence from corporate America is not necessarily going into entrepreneurship. It's just being in control of your life, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things I love about what you do and your message, because in both my personal finance, personal financial life and my business, like I have found so much freedom by you know, getting to the point, and of course it took time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears in some regards, but um, getting to the point where I don't have to be so attached to, you know, whether that's income from a job or really just like trying to not be so attached to anything in general and just allow myself to be free and be present and yeah, it's interesting. That's kind of become a theme of like, okay, I don't want to be attached to outcomes as much as I was in the past. I don't want to be attached to some guy signing my paycheck like I was in the past. So yeah, there's a lot of freedom that exists if you're you know, willing to take matters into your own hands and get like healthy, financially healthy. Yeah. I mean, we have to make the distinction between W-2 security and W-2 dependency. Yeah. That's a huge distinction to make. Um, Kalika, I wanted to ask you a little bit about working with a coach. Because I remember when we first met, you told me about how working with this coach truly changed your life. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What did this coach help you with and how has it made you the person you are today? Oh my gosh. Coaching has completely transformed my life um, and my existence. So yeah, I started working with a coach in 2019, I think. Um, Cause yeah, that was at the point where I was like extremely burnt out. What am I going to do? Like none of this is working for me. Um, and yeah, I think I don't even know if I have like the words to describe how like transformational that experience was, but what she really helped me do was honestly come to terms a little bit with a lot of the feelings and traumas that I was terrified to look at, um, that I had kind of just like shoved into a closet and hoped that I would never have to face. 
Um, so she helped and encouraged me and created a space for me to safely work through a lot of old wounds and challenges. Um, and then of course has like facilitated my healing and growth in a lot of other ways. Uh, but that in and of itself has really calmed my anxiety, um, which I think has been what's allowed me to experience a different life where like I get to be, I feel more present and more connected and less just like, Oh, how can I distract myself? And like, what shiny object can I chase after next? So I don't have to feel my feelings. (laughs) Um, so that's been massive. Um, I did also work with a financial coach, which another complete transformation. This was on the personal finance side. Um, But, you know, kind of what we already alluded to, like the stress, the anxiety, all the things I was refusing to look at bled over into my personal finances. Um, So it was essentially I was in survival mode of like, how can I plug this hole and like, you know, just shove these things in the corner and pretend like they're not there, right? Like I had not an exorbitant amount, but a little bit of debt and just had developed some pretty like, I would consider like poor financial habits, but working with someone who is an expert in that area and having the comfort and encouragement to like, again, open the closet and like, okay, we're going to take these things out and we're going to look at them. Like, I know you don't want to, but it's for your higher good. Um, Mm -hmm. And then figure out a plan, an actual like way to show up to those things differently. Um, Hugely transformational because again, now I'm not living in a place of like hyper stress of, you know, like, how am I going to plug this hole? And it's more a place of like calm, collectedness, like confidence um, and yeah, trust in the fact that like the principles are sound. And if you follow them, you will be okay and you don't have to be fearful, which I guess is another interesting, hadn't thought of this until now, but it's interesting how those things kind of are parallel to each other or kind of mirror each other in different aspects of life. Yeah. And have you found yourself like all this benefit that you got just um, from a personal and, and on a human level from your coach, like paying that forward as you work with clients and not just focusing on the product or service, but focusing on the human relationship? A million percent. Yes. Um, it's honestly what has prompted me to found the business that I have um, because I want to help people like Vanessa, my coach, reach more people and impact more people and be less stressed in her life. And I think there's so much power in that. Like you said, oh, what if we could just all have real conversations with each other? Like, oh, what if we could just all foster each other's ability to impact others, right? Like even if that was one small gesture, um, it does create this like massive ripple and I just want to be a small part of that if I can. So, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I was just having a conversation yesterday um, and they asked me like, what's your, you know, kind of focus as a financial planner? What's your priority? And 
And I was like, well, most financial planners, it's about, you know, minimizing the taxes that somebody pays and maximizing the investment returns and maximizing the zeros in the bank account. And like, that's all good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Like we want to live financially wealthy lives, but like my objective with my clients is to help them live the happiest freaking life they could possibly live because happy people do pretty well financially to your point. You know, and if you're happy and you're not wasting money on crap that you don't need to try to compensate for your unhappiness, you're being intentional, you're spending less money, you're saving more and you, you, that financial surplus starts to grow. And OK, now I've got all this knowledge about finance and wealth management. So let's now build a significant amount of wealth. So and I think that's the case in like any business today, like any service business today, if you can connect with someone, you know, on a human level and just kind of help them improve the quality of their life in addition to the product or service that you provide, I think that's a, uh, a winning formula, but I'm not an entrepreneurship coach. I'm just speculating here. <laughs> you, you, I feel like you're spot on. I definitely agree. Yeah. So, uh, Kalika, I just, um, to wrap up today, um, is, well, number one, is there anything else that you'd like to jump in and, and just share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest lesson for me over the past few years, especially, has been like, number one, sometimes you got to slow the heck down and take a pause. Um, and anyone out there, if you like resonate with the sensation of like, not wanting to feel what happens when you slow down is like my encouragement is like yeah it's terrifying at first but you will get through you will feel so much more alive when you address what you've been avoiding um and yes it's challenging and then yes it's uncomfortable but it is worth it um and then the other like word of encouragement i guess is like take charge, take charge of your life, take charge of your happiness. Um, I think we all get kind of wrapped up in the fear of like, what if it doesn't work? Or like, what if I'm exposed or, you know, all those different what ifs. But yeah, I think so much transformation can come from even a small step towards taking charge. Like even if it's one thing that you're going to commit to doing differently to take charge of your either finances, business, personal health, like one small step can lead to so much change. So that's my words of encouragement. <laughs> so um, if you could share with the listeners just a little bit about, you know, where they can follow you, where they can find more information about you, particularly if they are a solopreneur um, running a business and, and want to be more efficient which I really appreciate the work you do. We're going to start working together here pretty soon. We've talked about that, but um, where can people find more information about how you can help them? Yeah. Um, so you can go to my website. It's kalikazarek.com. Uh, I'm also very active on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Kalika Zarek, and feel free to shoot me a message. I'm an open book. I love to build new relationships. So I would be pumped to connect with anyone who is interested. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on, Kalika, and we'll be talking again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. 
And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career, transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks and see you next time.